Today on the Multiply Podcast, we're talking about emotional intelligence. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome back or welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. And my name is David. Woo! Mm, coming in strong. That was, yeah, one of my best intros I think ever. Yeah. I feel like after, what, a year of doing this? You finally figured it out. <laughs> finally did you say our... welcome back or welcome to? Yeah. You did? Did you like that? It's nice. In case, you know, we got some return listeners. Yeah. You know. Welcome back. Welcome Thanks back. Thanks for listening. What are we recording with this? Right here, yeah. Say say what's up to you. Hey guys, welcome back. It's October. <sighs> Great month. We're, wearing, as... we're wearing a couple of sweatshirts if yeah. you're listening and can't see. 50 degrees this morning in Syracuse. Oh. A balmy 50 degrees. I'm not going to lie. I loved it. Oh, I love it too. This is my favorite time of the year. Anytime you got to, you know, when you can wear a sweatshirt or a hoodie and still be comfortable, yeah. that's my favorite weather. That's it. That's it. And I've... Uh, I've been. It's been weird weather here because it's been kind of like bipolar. Like one day we had a cool day, and the next day yeah. it was 85. Two days ago it was 85 yeah. and muggy. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. But yeah, I love fall. And uh, in upstate New York, um, there's a lot of. It's just a great time to be in New York in the fall. Apple picking, pumpkin picking, mm. apple eating. Oh, pumpkin eating. Okay. Yeah, this weather actually reminds me when I was a youth pastor going to see like students play Friday night football games. Yeah. Being out there in this weather and just was like, it's the best. So You're like, what, my life is so good. What do you like about fall the most? Well, the thing I like about fall the most is the thing that I'm trying not to enjoy right now, which is food. <laughs> I thought you were going to say football. No, uh, I do love football, and my Patriots are undefeated, although we're looking a little shaky right now. But, I mean, my you know, food is, food is number one, and there's mm-hmm. something about the fall. Like, I'm a sweet guy, so baked goods, all that kind of mm-hmm. – but I'm trying to, like – be good so do you guys go apple picking yet we have not but we may go this saturday oh we may go this saturday oh my goodness interesting wow after my daughter's semi-final soccer game yep which oh i think does judah play at the same time he does he does both our kids are in soccer nice yep maybe we'll end up picking apples together well just if like, we do, we'll tell you about it on the next podcast. <laughs> Everybody's like, can we get on with it? <laughs> can you guys plan your personal lives not on the podcast? <laughs> oh, this podcast really brings people together, including Ooh. you and I. Yeah, mostly just you and I. Yeah. Well, tell us, Dave, what are we, what are we diving into today? We got something new? Yeah, so this morning we're going to be uh, talking about emotional intelligence. And I, I think this is actually probably going to take two episodes for us because that's how, that's how long it's going to take you to learn. And uh, uh, this, yeah. this is an article by a, a, a guy named Justin Bariso. Um We're not going to read you the article, but this article sort of prompted us thinking, let's talk about this on the Multiply podcast. And he wrote an article for Inc. Uh, simply entitled 13 Signs of High Emotional Intelligence. So if you want to go find it online, look it up. You can do that and follow him on Twitter, Justin J. Bariso. But um, he talks about uh, how do you measure, how do you know as a leader if you have emotional intelligence? And so let's start with just kind of talking about what emotional intelligence is. And um, what do you, when you think of emotional intelligence, what, what comes to mind for you? Uh, when I think about it, it it's, it's a, uh, about a self-awareness, you mm-hmm. know, it's about mm-hmm. understanding kind of how you react to situations, to people, how your reactions affect the people around you, Um Kind of, kind of aware of yourself and how you interact and respond and affect the people around you. That's at least what I think. But. Yeah, I think that's it. 
being mindful of your emotional state, but also being able to manage your emotional state, yeah. right? Yeah, so being true. able to, I think Edwin Friedman in his book, uh, one of his leadership books, I'm forgetting which one it is right now, he talks about self-differentiation and being able to, as a leader, separate your sense of who you are from the issue at hand, right? So sometimes we're sitting in leadership meetings and we're discussing a specific strategy or um, a program or a person, and it's very easy for us to get, to make it, I guess the simplest terms is, is to make it personal. Oh my goodness, yeah. You know, to, especially if it was like our strategy. Right. Or if that person's our friend, or if that event or program is something we've invested a lot of thought and time into, and everyone at the table who is offering um, maybe fair, helpful, strategic critique of it, it feels like they hate us. Yeah. <laughs> Are you speaking to me right now? Well, because this is hey, if the shoe fits, this shoe fits. The shoe fits. Yeah. So emotional talent intelligence is is not just um, being mindful of your emotional state; it's learning to manage your emotional state. And and then the other thing which you mentioned is emotional intelligence is also being able to read other people's emotional state. Right. Right. So any time in a room, being able to manage the emotions in the room, and sort of uh, be able to as the as as the emotional realities allow for, turn the heat up sometimes, but other times turn the heat down because you realize like this is not going to be fruitful mm. uh, if we keep pushing forward because you can read the room, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so emotional intelligence, uh, I think the definition he provides in here is the idea it's an ability to understand and manage emotions uh, and, and that it greatly increases our chance to succeed. Mm. And the idea, especially, I think, in this day and age with managing and leading millennials and Gen Z, those who aren't just looking to provide financially for themselves and others, but those who actually want to do work that is meaningful, rewarding, and satisfying and be a part of a team that they look forward to syncing up with. I think this whole emotional intelligence thing probably is more important now than it was 40, 50 years ago, yeah. where my, our dad's generation, like, they weren't asking the same questions that today's um, workforce is asking, right? Yeah. Um, our dads are just saying, um, is this a reliable job? Do I make enough money to pay the bills? For the most part, I'm not, I don't want to say that they didn't care about what they did. Of course they did, but that was really the pressing thing. And now it's, it's totally shifted. And, uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that because of access, uh, because of the internet and access to more opportunities, nobody feels trapped really in a job anymore. Everybody sort of feels like, there's something else out there I can find. Yeah, people jump around, no problem. It's 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 a normal thing. Yeah. So when you when you lead a team or an organization or a company or you serve as a pastor at a church, leading with emotional intelligence is both an important skill, but also something that I think can create sustainability in your team and your staffing. Yeah, I I think it's super important. I recently uh, was listening to a discussion where. Um, I think it was a psychologist was saying, you know, we, we tend to think of human beings as being primarily rational beings. Mm. And they're like, it's just not true. Humans are primarily emotional beings. And sometimes they're able to insert their, their rational self over their emotions. But oftentimes, many yeah. of the things we do, the decisions we make is based on emotion. It's, yeah. it's a reaction to how we're feeling. So if you can have an awareness of that and understand how to manage it well, I mean, that's going to be huge. Yeah. So let's dive into this. He, he identifies 13 signs of high emotional intelligence, and we'll try to get through maybe five to six of them on this episode and then jump in on the rest. And essentially what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go through it, and I'm going to give you a grade on each of these. <laughs> <laughs> grade is from one to a thousand. Yep. 
Which is what's the high end? What's the low end? Uh, I'll wait and see what you give me, and then I'll tell you. Okay. So the first one is is simply this: um, highly emotional, uh, intelligent leaders think about feelings. They they think about it. Uh, he talks about how um, it begins with a self awareness and a social awareness. And so you ask questions like, "What are my emotional strengths? What are my emotional weaknesses? Um, when do they show up?" what sort of provokes them. And he talks about how does my current mood affect my thought and decision-making? So, you know, there's times where like you and I were even talking earlier this week and you were kind of having one of those days where things weren't great, right? And you just were like... Worst day of my life. Yeah, this is a frustrating day. I'm really struggling. And I think the words I said to you in the text was, I hate everything right now, including you. Yeah. I was trying not to make you sound like a petulant seven-year-old. <laughs> I'm just going to be real. Let's just let's just lay it out there. Yeah. So in that moment, that emotional state would have greatly affected your decision-making, right? And it did. I have a tattoo in my lower back to show. <laughs> just says, I hate everything. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's a great point. Yeah. So emotionally intelligent leaders, they think about feelings. And, and what, what, what prevents leaders, you think, from actually doing this? What's sort of the obstacles to us thinking about? Now, I, I think there's actually two ways to talk about this. One is what prevents us from being aware of our feelings, but also what, because some people are self-aware in, in that way, but they're, they're not others aware. So what are some of the obstacles that prevent people from both being aware of their own emotions, but also aware of other people's emotions? Um, I, I, I can speak from my experience, and this is a struggle for me because what I tend to find in my life is um, I'm, I don't have a self-awareness that what I'm feeling in that moment is an emotion. Like sometimes it takes me time. You know what I mean? So I don't know if you've ever had this, but I'll be angry about something and I really won't know why. Mm. And it takes me a, a good while to process through it and to f- try to figure out. And so that day that you're referring to, that was a really rough day. Like in the moment, the emotions are so strong, Right that they feel they feel like there's nothing else but that that is the reality and the only reality right. it's concrete it's not emotion like right. it becomes your reality right and so it's hard to it's i think it takes a skillful person and how do we do it to be honest with you i'm not really sure like i'm i, I would imagine it's a learned skill of just kind of trying to coach yourself in those moments yeah but it's difficult for me cuz in those moments it just feels like this is this isn't an emotion this is this is reality it re- i think it requires us to somehow look at ourselves from the outside yeah. right yeah. somehow gain a third party perspective on ourselves and, and i think that takes a lot of work but the other thing is i think it it requires us if we're going to really pay attention to our emotions it requires us to challenge all of our own biases preconceived ideas right cuz like on that on the day that you're speaking of like um, instead of saying like my emotions right now are angry and frustrated, it's very easy instead of owning that saying things around me are not right, right? So like you're focusing all of your energy and your thought on the circumstances, the triggers, the dominoes, but you're not actually ever bringing yourself to the point of saying, and because of that, this is how I feel and this is how, and I need to own that this is the way I feel. Yeah. And so there becomes this like this just over emphasis on um, sort of the catalyst. And we don't take full responsibility for our emotions because we're just so focused on what causes to feel that way. Yeah. As you're saying that, I, I think if I'm being honest with myself, there's got to be some pride there that mm-hmm. makes you think um, there's some self-righteousness that um, 
that I am in the right in this moment and I am standing up for what's right and just and this thing is wrong, which if you think that way, even though it could be true, it does prevent you from analyzing your own self. Yeah. If you're always justifying your emotions, you're probably not analyzing them, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, when it comes to knowing other people's emotions in the room, which is difficult to do, of course, because some, some people it's not difficult. They're sort of an open book, and you can just read their face, and you know that they're happy or they're angry. Other people are very guarded. and um, But I think some of the obstacles is just our own selfishness, our own self-focus, uh, also, our tendency maybe as leaders to assume that everybody feels the same way we feel yeah. about something or that they should feel the same way. And if they don't feel the, that way, that's the third problem, mm-hmm. not ours. Um, if I'm honest, sometimes I want to ignore people's emotional state because I don't want to do the hard work of having messy conversations. I'd rather just leave the meeting and not ask, how do you really feel about this? Because if I, I can sense if I ask that question, ugh. We're going to have to really get, yeah. get into this. So or maybe like, you'll hear stuff you don't, really don't want to hear, right? Right. Yeah. 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 So true. if so if we're more concerned with getting our way and things just moving along smoothly without the yep. team actually being heard, that's going to prevent us from taking the time to think about feelings. Um, all right. Another sign of a highly emotionally intelligent. I guess I'm 0 for 1 so far. Yep, keep going. 0 for 1. Uh, highly emotionally intelligent leader is and, – and this one um, – I really like is you just simply said you pause you pause and the pause is just the simple act of taking a moment before you speak before you act before you do something and I've been around leaders who do this and it actually um, sort of settles the room down a little bit yeah it does because when you pause everyone has to pause yeah um, I think it communicates that they're thoughtful. They're not just reactive. Yeah, it offers some credibility to what they say, yeah. right? And uh, I think it it also communicates that they're present in the moment. Like they recognize. And uh, it wouldn't bother me, and I don't do this. I, I tend to be a verbal processor, so this is a challenge for me because as verbal processors, I don't need to pause. I just need to talk. Mm-hmm. And as I'm talking, I'm working it out. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um, but sometimes I think it could be helpful to say something like, Man, I, I need a I need a minute to really think about this. You know, yeah, that's that's kind of weird. I, maybe it's counterintuitive because it, maybe it's perceived as weakness. Like, what do you mean you need to think about it? You're the leader. You should already have your thoughts sorted on this. Or maybe the pause can even be as practical as this. This is an important issue. I need some time to really let's 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 talk about this in the designated time. Let's reconnect this afternoon, or let's talk at our next meeting. Um, this is important enough that I don't want to just say what I think uh, off the top of my head. I want to actually like give some thought to it and, and in some cases give some prayer to this matter. Yeah. Right? That probably matters too um, for verbal processors like I am because for me that I, I do need someone to bounce it off from, bounce it off with and wrestle through it in order for me to process it. But not every meeting and every room and every group of people is your group that you should be processing with, right? Mm. So there's like... In leadership, there's some moments where you need to come in and say, here's what I think we should do. That may not be the setting for you to bounce back and forth and throw out four bad ideas in order to finally arrive at your good one. Sometimes you got to pause, like you said, move into a different setting, maybe find a different group of people or one person that you're interacting with, and then you're coming back and saying, here's where I've landed because I've thought through this and processed it. Yeah, that's good. One thing I did recently, recently I had a meeting with – couple uh, ladies in the church who had an idea for uh, a ministry, something that was on their heart. And so when we sat down to talk about it, 
Um, I opened up my laptop. You could you could use you could use pen and paper for this too, of course. I just prefer the laptop. And I just said to them up front, um, okay, let's go ahead and start talking. I want to hear, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I just told them up front, while you're talking, uh, I'm just going to be writing down some notes and some thoughts. So I didn't want them to think that I'm, like, updating my Facebook while they're, you know, pouring out their Little heart. did they know you were. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the way that that helps me is that as they're talking, questions are popping into my mind. Mm. And, and my my natural reaction would be to interrupt their flow with my questions or to not listen to what they say next so that I don't forget my question. Yep. So the simple, um, the simple act of just typing out questions, just one word with a question mark and just kind of like, so that, so then when they were done, I said, okay, um, um, there are a few thoughts and questions I have. And then I go right back through my notes and I'm able to feel like, okay, everything that I wanted to ask and know more about, I remembered because I wrote it down, but also they were heard, you know, I wasn't like interrupting their flow and what they were trying to present. And so that's a form I think of taking a pause is instead of just verbally interrupting, write something down. And there's meetings that we all sit in where there's 5, 10, 15, 20 people around the table. You got to write down stuff because by the time you finally get to say something, you're not going to remember what you wanted to say. And so it's a form of of pausing and and, um, just it helps us to refrain, I think, from making um, significant decisions based on like a momentary gut reaction. And even if you have good gut reactions, and some leaders do, it's still, I think, wise uh, to just pause, reflect, and then, you know, and then share what you have to say. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Oh, for two. Keep going. <laughs> Number three, you strive to control your thoughts. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, he says here, you don't have much control over the emotions that you experience in a given moment. But what you can't control is uh, your reaction to those emotions. The, the sort of like if the emotions just show up, then you can react to how you steward those emotions, right? Do yeah. you pour gasoline on it? Do you pour water on it? And how do you do so? And one of the ways that he suggests we do it is you focus your thoughts. And uh, by focusing our thoughts, it prevents us from becoming a slave to our emotions. So for you, what does it look like? You feel yourself getting emotionally frustrated, angry. Um, what is it? What could it look like to, what are the sort of thoughts in that moment that you need to grab control of? Otherwise, they're just going to well, I love this. I mean, this article is not, I don't know if the guy's a Christian or not, but obviously it's not from a, a, a Christian perspective, but it so reminds me of something we've talked about before on the podcast and something that is, um, I think, hugely valuable, which is the idea of kind of preaching the gospel to your own heart. Yeah. And that's really what this is. And so for me, it's whenever your emotions are always an indicator of something that you're trusting in outside of Christ to find your identity. I mean, that's how I think of it. So that's the question I ask. What am I looking to? Is there an idol in my life that I'm looking to right now to find my value and worth, to find identity outside of Christ? And sometimes it takes a while to figure out what it is. Sure. But once you do, then you can apply the gospel to that thing. You can remind yourself, I don't need that because I already have this. So give us a practical example of like, let's say you're in a meeting and one of your ideas is getting poo-pooed on. Which is every well, that, meeting. <laughs> I mean that I, I'm, that seems like a weird thing. I've never had that happen. But what are what um, are the what are a couple of thoughts that start that would naturally jump into your mind yeah. off of your emotions? And then what are some things that you can begin to remind your heart of to help you 
in those moments. Yeah, I mean, some of the thoughts that would naturally jump in if we're real is like, these guys don't know what they're talking about. These guys are idiots. Um, they, they've they never done what I've done. Yeah. They, they, they they're don't jealous have, of they, me. They, they don't like me. They, they don't think, ever have any good ideas themselves. Yeah. Oh, now you're being real. <laughs> <laughs> they think my new haircut is too fresh. Oh, no, I'm not. I, no, I know that's not true. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it could be it could be a whole variety of things. And I think they tend to be... Whatever your whatever your heart idolatry tends to look to the most for me, it's approval. So they tend to be in line with that, you know. And so once I realize, then I'm like, okay, what I'm really experiencing here is um, I'm feeling a, re- uh, a sense of rejection, and I'm and I'm really wanting mm. their approval to give me a sense of value and worth. Mm-hmm. And then of course you preach the gospel. I don't need that because I have approval from the Creator of the universe. So why am I looking to some other version of it? Yeah. You know, and that. That just de-escalates your your emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. But that's it's hard good. to do. So. It's really hard to do, especially in the moment, and uh, it requires. It's sort of like um, spiritual discipline. It's like spiritual, um, like developing spiritual muscle memory. Yeah, that's you know? a good way to put it. Um, doing it over and over, even when you don't feel like doing it, so that when you really need it, it's it's there. Um, but controlling our thoughts, and then also like one one practical thing for controlling our thoughts is don't assume the worst in other people. Like, mm-hmm. uh, ask yourself this question: uh, What is the what is a completely reasonable? Why would a completely reasonable, well-meaning person say what that person just said, or do what that person just did? Hmm. And start there instead of starting from I know why they did that, right? Yeah. So so giving people the benefit of the doubt, assuming the best in other people, and assuming until proven otherwise that they actually do care about the big picture, that they may just disagree. You know, so it's kind of keeping a safe space in meetings as a leadership team saying, do, are we still all together on the vision and the mission? Is that is that all? Yes. Okay. So if, if we're all in on that, then really what we're just talking about is the strategy and how do we get there. We may have different opinions on that, but we all still want to win together. Yep. And I think that's important. And keeping that thought in mind, we're all on the same team together. We're trying to win together. We may not think the same way is the right way to go, but that's actually a good thing. That's what makes us a team. Yeah, right? 100%. Uh, okay, here's the tough. Here's here's the worst one. Number four, emotionally intelligent leaders benefit from criticism. Oh, this guy is a real idiot. This author. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I wish about. I could. Cri- I wish I could criticize him right to his face. How dare he comes at us like that and throws that one in there? He doesn't say you enjoy criticism. I'm glad for that because I don't true. think that's emotionally intelligent. But you can benefit from criticism, um, and you have an awareness of that, right? You you're aware that. I need this. It's good for me. I will yeah. benefit from it. It takes humility, right? It takes teachability. Um, uh, this past Sunday, our children's pastor was. We had a next gen service, and she was talking about how um, the the Paul and Timothy relationship. And she talked about how to be a Timothy, you have to be humble and teachable. And one of the things she said that I loved was, "Teachability is not about your mind; it's about your heart." Mm. I thought, man, that's so good because all of us can learn. We have the capacity to learn, but not all of us have the heart humility, right. the heart position to learn. And benefiting from criticism requires us to not be overly impressed with ourselves. As soon as we're overly impressed with ourselves, it's really hard to hear from other people. And uh, I know that sometimes the source of the criticism affects how it's received too, but what are some things you've learned in leadership about how criticism helps you, um, how you benefit from criticism? Well, um, what I've learned about myself is there are certain areas that I have no problem taking criticism, and I welcome it, and I will actually seek it out. 
and then there are other areas that are very difficult for me. <laughs> and here's here's how I know which one is which. The areas that I tend to find my identity in, a sense of value and worth from, are the ones that I really don't want criticism on. Mm-hmm. The areas that I don't, so I'm more aware that I'm, you know, I'm not great at this. I, I just, it doesn't matter. Someone could pick me apart and I'm like, oh, that's great, you know. But the areas that there is a perceived, and what I've found is these tend to be the areas where you will get approval from other people or you become known for being this. Uh, yeah. Maybe you're a good speaker. You know, for you, you've written, you've written uh, a bunch of stuff. Um, maybe you become known as a great dad, right? Whatever the thing is that it's like y- you get approval for that, that tends to be the thing that becomes the hardest thing for you to get criticism on because it's like, wait, that's my thing. Like that's, <laughs> you know. And then the other stuff, it's like, you know, Dave, you're really terrible at using power tools. You're like, yeah, no, no duh. Like, yeah, give me all the criticisms you want. You sure. Know? So that's what I found about myself. And so for me, I have to force myself to get criticism from people I trust in the areas that I don't want it. Yeah. I think one of the best things we can learn to do with criticism um, is to be thankful for it and even force ourselves to say to people when they criticize us. Thank you for sharing that with me. I'm really gonna, I'm really gonna take the time to think through what you said, you know. And then not under your breath go jerk. Yeah, hate you. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you in your sleep. <laughs> um, is being thankful for it, saying that you're thankful for it, but also um, mining, doing the hard work of mining the truth out of it, right? So even if uh, 95% of the criticism is unfounded and unfair, there's usually something in there that can be useful, right? Yeah. And so you take what somebody maybe even intended to harm you with and you make it something that you can grow from. Yeah. And, uh, and another thing you can do with criticism is you can bring it to trusted people and say, Hey, somebody noticed this about my leadership or about my communication or about the way that I interact with people. And I don't see this in me, but I also know that I don't see everything about myself. Right. Yeah. And I want to give you permission to just honestly say, Yes, they're 100% right. No, they're 100% wrong. Or yeah, somewhere in the middle, there is something there. And if we all want to grow and we all want to improve and we all want to steward well the gifts that God has given us, then learning to receive and employ criticism. Don't let criticism rule us, but we can actually uh, make criticism work for us yeah. in a way that, that helps us. And, so, and, and this is where managing your emotions comes in huge, right? Yeah. Because for me, what I realize is, I can have a very poor emotional reaction at first, and I, but I just need time to process what they said. And then a lot of times mm-hmm. I'll come back and be like, you're actually right. Yeah. But the problem is when you have those visceral emotional reactions, basically people go, it's not a safe place. I can't, I can't bring criticism sure. to this person. So all of a sudden it, it stops happening. Yeah. So you've got to figure out right how to manage that so then you create a space where people can speak into you. And you can and, keep growing. And I don't know. I don't know if this is true, but I feel like there's probably something that happens physiologically when we get angry, or when we get defensive, that actually shuts down our ability to really listen mm. and hear and appropriate what's being said. I mean, I don't. I don't know if that's true, but I feel like it probably is. Let's just say it is. Like you kind of turn into a Hulk in a way, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The Hulk, Hulk response. Right. We'll call it the Hulk response. <laughs> Where'd you come up with that word, Hulk? Uh, that's um. Uh, just something I created. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Let's do, um, where are we at? Let's let's do two more, and then we'll, we'll wrap this one up and do the rest of the next. Uh, the fifth one is uh, a sign of an intelligent leader, emotionally intelligent leader, is you show authenticity. He says, and this is a good word for you, Jared, 
that authenticity mm. doesn't mean sharing everything about yourself <laughs> to everyone all the time. We're going to have to re-record this podcast. But it means saying what you mean, meaning what you say, and sticking to your values and your principles over time. Being real, being genuine, being authentic, not just in board meetings, but also in personal conversations and then outside of the church and inside of the church and on the platform and off the platform. Uh, emotionally intelligent leaders show authenticity because they have this um, awareness of who they are and how they're coming across yeah. in all different environments. Yeah. I, I This is probably the first one you score high on, <laughs> maybe too high. I really think this is this is a really important one in a lot of ways because to me this is the one where people most um, – they when they see someone that's authentic, they really connect with it because mm-hmm. – because the human heart is, all of us are all insecure and all walking around subconsciously think to ourselves, if people really knew who I was, they would reject me. Right, right. So when you meet someone that's authentic, you're like, oh, like they're just who they are. That means I can be who I am. Like it's immediately a, a wall tearing down yeah. relationship building um, way of approaching and handling yourself, you know? It's also, I think, one of the sort of underrated keys to having friends, honestly. Um, and I, I see this even at work in children, like my kids' age. The, the kids who somehow are just confident in who they are, kids, like, are attracted to them. Yeah. But yeah. the kids who kind of are, like, putting it on and, like, trying to be whoever they think everybody else wants to be, they get annoying. Yeah. Like, and they have a hard time keeping and, and making friends. And so, um, again, I think, you know, as Christians— I think the gospel offers us some really unique resources for all of these. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about that on other podcasts, so I don't want to get into it too much right now. But knowing who you are in Christ and being able to be confident in uh, how God sees you because of what Christ has done for you, that provides you with really a unique strength to be um, transparent and real. So, well, let's let's just save actually the rest of these for the next podcast. We got through five of them, and I think the rest of them we can get through yeah. on the next one. Yeah, that's good. We're uh, we're running out of time here, but we do want to end with the most popular segment in all of podcasting. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's true. In the world. In the world, out of every podcast. We have stats on that. Just yeah. email Jared for him. <laughs> this is a little portion we like to do called David's Eats, because we're not just about creating better leaders, but we're about creating better eaters. That's right. So, David, what's the best thing you've eaten this week? Well, you know what's cool is this week I met a cousin, a first cousin for the first time ever. He's 45, I'm 41. In our whole lives, we've never met because he lives in South Korea. Mm. He came over to visit and stayed with my mom uh, for a couple weeks. They're still here right now, actually, as we're recording this. And um, so it was really neat to meet him. He's actually like a musical composer. He writes all the soundtracks for the Korean dramas over there. And wow. they had like the number one network over there. So it was pretty cool. And um but uh, when we went there, all these Korean ladies were there making a Korean feast. So I could list any number of things. But I want to talk about this one thing. It's a it's a jelly-like dish. And it, it looks almost like tofu. Now, if you, you give me the picture of this. I will put it up on, on YouTube so okay. people can see yeah. actually what if, this looks If you like. just Google Korean acorn jelly. No, don't Google it. Watch, watch, our, you'll, watch you'll us get, on oh, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that too. <laughs> Come um, on, Dave. The uh, it's a it looks like tofu, but it's clear and it's, it's gelatinous, almost like a almost like a Jello, uh, but it but it's got it's to, it's like tofu in the sense that it takes on primarily the flavor of whatever sauce it's in. Yeah, it's served cold normally, but it's made out of acorns. They 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 
these Koreans, man, they're just brilliant. They, they don't just they really know how to they do They really know how to work the ground. That's right. So they take these acorns and they grind them up and they add some cornstarch and they turn it into this jello and then they and the, and it's a savory jello and and then they put like this spicy herby sauce over it. Hmm. And um yeah, man, it was I mean, uh it was awesome. So that's probably the best thing I ate recently. I don't get to eat it a lot. It's kind of an unusual side dish. So I just want to recap for those who um Maybe are not following. What you're saying is the best thing you ate this week is a meat flavored Jello. I didn't say meat flavored. <laughs> well, that's I'm reading between the lines here. There's a meat is a, is a maybe a savory beef. Are you flavored, trying to tell me there's something wrong with meat flavored Jello? I mean, it just doesn't sound amazing. Yeah, you know. But we're gonna take your word for it, <laughs> and um, maybe one time Google in life it. we'll get the experience. Google it. it. Yeah. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. We're going to continue with our next podcast, so check it out. You can find us on YouTube. Give us a give us a like, subscribe on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud. We'd appreciate a five-star rating. Help spread the word. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time.